Saying low, Apple Music. Okay, another conversation in the interview series. Just popped a tic tac. Wow. You may have to carry this one. That's what I got. What are we talking about? Right again. Oh, superstar. Mm-hmm. Man in the making. Mm-hmm. You sat down with him for 60 minutes? Longer than that. Longer? Mm-hmm. You're a lucky man. <laughs> the luckiest. That's all you got. Is there, is there more you need to say? Nope. I can carry it from here. As long as you don't mind that little crunch. All right, guys, so here's the deal. Freddie Gann, one of the greatest uh, modern artists making art right now. Taking the whole experience of actual life. Recording audio in real time. Friends. Taking lines from recording sessions. Peers. People who inspire him from the street to the studio. Turning it into incredible, emotional, kind of almost ambient music with tempo. This is nothing new. We've had great examples of this throughout the history of club culture, but Fred again is the latest to do it, and he's adding to the legacy of it in an incredibly thoughtful and amazing way. That's the music side of it. You can go listen to that right now. Actual Life Volume 1, 2, and 3, along with other songs, EPs, remixes, projects, all kinds of things. The conversation dives into his life, which isn't something Fred's really ever been drawn into conversation-wise. We filmed this as well if you want to go watch it on Apple Music's YouTube. It's pretty amazing. He takes us through his process, how he uses machine to drive his live experience and also his recording experience, the importance of drones, his experience being mentored by his friend Brian Eno, and just what he's trying to achieve with this music that ultimately inspires so many people. Fred, again, if you don't know who he is, just give yourself a little minute. It's happening and rejoice in the fact that you're early. This is Fred, again, a conversation right here on the interview series. Love this one. Drones, mm, always. Always. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Listen to the way those notes merge together. It's so beautiful. Bit of that. Hours of just seeing how that drone evolves. I've got hours of video of us just. Do you ever feel like sometimes you just want to lie down and just perform like this? Just, oh, everybody yeah, just. Yeah, yeah, no. I, yeah, last night was quite interesting because I, I started very, like, um, like low energy because I, I, had, I had like bad asthma when oh. I came on. So I did my first ever on stage like inhaler pump. That's quite bossy. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of into That's it. That's kind of bossy. <laughs> it could become a thing. Careful. Yeah, yeah. No, it's Fred again, it. global superstar who yeah. actually inhales while he's on. Yeah, it was that yeah. vibe. But no, when I came on, I was quite like, like tight chest, and I was kind of like this vibe. But then it was nice because it gave it like a real. Yeah. It was like this, you know, an hour and a certain, ten minutes of just like. Were you planning on that? Did the set kind of reflect that, or did you sort of adapt in the moment? It was just what happened. I don't usually have that before. My asthma's just been yeah. bad lately for some reason. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. So it was, it was just what happened. But it was okay. It was kind of nice. Um, I know this place. I haven't sp- spent much time down here, per se, but I know the building. I've been here before. I've hung out with Sunny here before. This is Skrillex's place. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This is like... Uh, I feel like this is the crown jewel of all he did in his 1.0. Yeah. Well, it's 2.0, really, because 1.0 being, being more straight edge, yeah, yeah, hardcore, yeah, yeah. sunny. But, you know, from, a, from an EDM point of view and from traveling around the world and doing 300 shows and nearly killing yourself point of view, <laughs> this is kind of the fruits of the labor, right? Yeah, yeah. No, sunny, and yeah, it's, it's very much his HQ. And it's every corner of it is yeah. oozes sunny. Yeah. Um, we're actually, we've done a home swap at the moment. So yeah. He's staying at mine in London. Yeah. And I'm his in L.A. And it's kind of lovely, but it's just nice having a place here that is like homely-ish feeling. So like when I'm here, I kind of yeah. have a base. Which yeah, because is at, we spoke about this, and it's interesting because we, we went out and hung out on a personal note before any of this, um, which is which was lovely. But um, so I don't want to betray any trust. But you said some things. I think you'll be okay with me reflecting on. <laughs> I'd love it. Uh, you know, I'll go yeah. crazy. Yeah, I'm gonna go crazy. So yeah. that therapy. You know where we were. <laughs> But if I do that, I have to talk about my own. Because it was a mutual conversation. I fly straight back at me. Me too, let's go. Um, No, but you said something which I thought was really fair, which was that, you know, because not everyone takes to it, um, that, you know, LA is like, a lot of people come to LA and they can't wait. You come to LA and you work. Mm. It's not like that for you. Like, there's an unsettling vibe, I guess, is is what the word I I took from it about LA that makes you want to just hunker down and get the job done. Yeah, it's like a focus thing. Like, I find it tricky when there's like, not like a... It's, it's not, I don't think, and I could be wrong here, I could just be not going to the right places, but it doesn't feel like it's like a natural place for spontaneity. And sure. St- and like being able to walk around and stuff like that, yeah, which yeah. is what I love about London and... Actual life. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, because living here, there is a lot of actual life. But you're right, you're not going to bump into it the way you do in a city that is by design a London or a New York or a place where there's just people. Mm. You don't get a sense yeah. of people being here often, even though there's a lot mm. of people here. Yeah, you get a sense of cars. You get a sense of cars, yeah. you get a sense of a lot of people staying indoors and doing what they've got to do. Yeah. Um, 
have you ever sort of come here and, and, and gone home or whatever or, or gone, gone back to work and you get a sense that something from LA or something from this place is permeated in? Yeah, yeah, hugely, hugely. I mean, you can't dispute the, like, creative impact of the city and the, the frequency of that energy is yeah, a yeah. powerful one. Um, I think I'm getting to grips with it. I mean, here, here has been a real game. Like, having, like, as I say, somewhere that feels like a, you know, this is the home of, like, one of my best friends, so... It's so much nicer than just being in some anonymous mm. hotel on West Hollywood mm. where you're just like... Yeah, well, it's not creative. This is creative. Yeah. You walk in here and it's creative. And, and that's you. And family. And family. Yes. Perfect, actually. Because <laughs> those are the two things that are you. <laughs> and this is about you and me having a conversation, which I'm really excited to have. Love, Because Because no one really... You haven't done this. I don't really think you've done this very often, at least, where mm. it's like... You've let people in to talk to you. And, 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 it, and I don't think that you do that because there's some kind of like um, MO about mystery or you, you, you're permeating some kind of behind the scenes type facade. It's, it's that you really are dedicated to the craft and to the music. And you say a lot in the music. <laughs> yes. This is, I do often find myself saying that when people ask me questions about stuff, I'll be like, I really think I've spent so many hours on an answer and it's like this it's in the song. song. Yeah, like I just, yeah. I do often feel that, yeah. It's actual life. But, but the two things that we do know uh, about you is that, you know, um, you, you're always creating and looking around you and absorbing and family is very important to you as well, creative and family. Um, so let's start with the latter. Let's start with the family side of things. And, um, and, you know, at this point in your life and who you are and what you're turning your attention to, music and creative stuff, um, what role your family plays in that and, and what's the most important part of family in, in being an artist right now, today? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, I can't begin. I'm just like so fortunate in this respect. I mean, we were speaking about this the other night. Um, and yes, mine. I mean, I managed and worked with everything on my older brother. I made all of the last two records with my younger brother as well. We're really close to our sister as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, and then obviously, as you know, like it extends to Sunny and my best friend Han and Lou who are in the studio there now and yeah. who we're staying with on this trip and so yeah it's yeah I mean it's it's Im almost impossible to talk about how important it is because it's like it's the foundation of yeah, everything yeah. to me yeah it's the central it's the, it's the core of, of the relationship that you pour into relationships which is what I feel your music is it's all about relationships your songs are predominantly named after the people you work with or people who inspire them. Yeah. Um, a, there's a lot of interactivity in your songs. There's a lot of hooks that come from conversation. Yeah. The whole thing is about the human experience, right? Yes, very much. Yeah, I think, I think it's like trying to... The feeling that I became really obsessed with was like trying to take the, the, the like very fleeting moments mm. and like trying to like expose as much beauty as is in them in like, you know, like, so you, you know how sometimes if you see something in a normal thing and you see it in slow-mo, it's mm. like, oh, wow, there's a, there's a whole new emotional framing for it. Mm. Like, I think, I think it's... about like, that with hummingbirds all the time. Hummingbirds? Yeah, because we have a lot of hummingbirds in our backyard and they move so fast and die and they're so beautiful. Oh, yeah, 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 they flip, yeah, yeah. But then but when then you see them in slow motion, it's, it's just like exquisite. Yeah yeah, 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 it's a dance. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. such a good example, yeah. yeah. But so I think t I'm trying to... I became just very obsessed with, like, the feeling that happens when you like take something i think that's why i like with the first guy i sampled um was just so like enamored with it because you it was that feeling but i'd never been able to see a hummingbird in slow-mo before if you see what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 well once you realize that you had something that felt tangible and, and real uh it, it opens up a whole new world of creativity suddenly your imagination gives way to reality and then if you can combine the two it's like you can get inside the human experience in a very real way. Yes, I think that, I mean, I... You know? Yes. A, a lot of times we're trying to avoid the reality is what I'm saying. A lot of times right. we're trying to imagine things or repurpose things through our creative filter. And yeah. you seem very dedicated to the moment in real time, right down to the point where the start of every, you know, AL, actual life, it starts with a date and yeah. with a recording that seems to set the tone. Yes, no, it's very important to me that they're like... It's like a, it's a diary to me, and so I'm trying to, although I'm trying to slow-mo certain moments, it's yeah. like, that was always a very important part of it, even though parts of the diary are from, you know, some of it's just nights out from my phone and conversations, as you say, and yeah. some of it's other people dotted around the whole world. It does, it's so linked to a time and a place to me in a way that I, from the first one, yeah, I felt really, it was just what I instinctively 
the whole kind of framing of every song, like how it's named and the structure of it all, is just what happened as I was making the music, because it's what you would instinctively do, because it was like, OK, I'm sampling this person called Clara, I named the song Clara, and the date is this, and I finished the record on this date. So I just was keen to show the diary aspect of it, I guess, as much as I could, because it is, yeah, like, really personal. Well, there you go. It makes me wonder, like, how much of it is for you, how much of it is for us, if, if for us at all. Yeah, yeah, no, I, don't, I think it started off for me, and then I, my, I've been in, enormously changed by the, like, all the messages I've read and seeing people at shows and the way people have kind of let the music in. It's totally changed me, and I'm immeasurably grateful for it. Um, but yeah, so I think now it's kind of a hybrid of both. I wonder if it's going to change the way you approach it to some degree, and maybe you can't tell until you do, but mm. what started in 2020, at least when we were given the gift, Yeah, yeah. Um, the whole thing really kind of unveiled over the course of quarantine, so what was actual life for everybody had changed, and yet you were sort of leaning into this real-life experience. It was one of the few things you... Uh, I mean, I, I think I can make sense of this in order to present it in this kind of environment so, you know, so we can continue. Yeah. You know, we weren't having actual life. You were giving us a taste of it somewhere along the line. And it was emotional for people. And I, and I, I wonder now that life is opening up, sort of whether or not you, you are looking at these things and listening to life and looking at life differently. Yes, definitely. I think it's what you said. I don't, I don't think I'll know with much confidence until I'm not so in it um but the like i think it's sort of yeah i don't know yet yeah i don't know did you feel that though when you were putting music out and there was a sense of people on the street and in houses and in bars and nightclubs mm. and in taxi ranks that most of us weren't doing that yes no i did have a feeling but i also the main thing i felt which was just this like extraordinary sense of sort of natural emotional synergy between because I mean uh, not to diminish the obvious like bad aspects but it was objectively the case that there was I was just me and Big Hen like who I live with were just constantly like very moved by how much you could call up anyone anywhere in the world and there was like this real sort of unity of experience which was very powerful I think it could only have happened in this time in a strange way. I mean, you probably wouldn't have been so drawn into the strange intimacy of, of virtual mm. communication if it hadn't been primarily our only source. Yes, I'm sure. And a lot of it was done on, like... Um, you know, the first record was made kind of half and half. Mm. Um, it was kind of the first half. I made about half of it before we went in lockdown, half mm. it after. Mm. Um, but it was fundamentally all born out... You know, the reason why I'm the person who films everything on a night out is because when you're hungover the next morning it's just nice to like glaze through the like memories and you kind of soften the blow. It's nice. I was going to say it's nice. I do that because I'm like <laughs> sometimes oh, it's that God. too. Sometimes it's that <laughs> to like damage control check what you've said. I'm obsessive compulsive. You're like wiretapping I mean, yourself. 100%. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's times if I've definitely let loose and I'm hanging out or whatever that I take, I make sure I take a photo at the end of the night so I know exactly what time it ended, you know? Because otherwise I'm just like the worst case scenario. In my You're like opinion. dobbing yourself in. <laughs> I've never thought about it in that way. But no, it's like, I think often it's like, it's particularly other people as well. Um, like when you see, you know, when you get that lovely sort of elevated energy of a group of people when you all kind yeah. of spend like 10 hours together on a proper long night out. Yeah, yeah. And by the end, you're all kind of floating in the same ether. You want to get it. Um, it's a lovely thing. Yeah, I've got some videos on my phone that I cherish, yeah. cherish um, for that reason. Yeah. You know, I, I want to go back a little further because we're sort of in the actual life scenario and we're, we're beautifully positioned for me, but I want to kind of um, go back to this, this kind of beautiful moment when you made a decision that, that, that being in a studio and, and maybe we go back in time just step by step, actually, yeah. and, and, and the next step being that, um, you know, I think we knew you from working with people and helping them achieve their goals and, and producing and writing music beautifully and so tastefully and, you know, you, you were winning awards and revered at that point. Um, you know, but, but obviously always an artist and always with a vision and a voice. So um, did you have to make a distinction between the two for you? Did you have to say, this is now going to be my Fred again time and I'm not Fred Gibson in the studio working with Ed and, and Tylee and, and, and on its own? I think it just sort of, I, I had a feeling of, you know, when I was like 
six, well, from sort of ten when I started writing songs to twenty or whatever, I was doing my own music. And then through no intention, I just kind of ended up working with other, like it just kind of is what naturally yeah. took place. Yeah. And so then, but there was a slight feeling of like, after a few years, there was a feeling that there was something like I needed to make that I wasn't making. Yeah. By beautiful serendipity, or maybe something bigger than that, <laughs> Brian messaged me at the same time saying like... Brian Eno. Yeah. Um, saying like, he's, he was like, I'm cleaning my kitchen and I've left all of my uh, iTunes on loop and it keeps going to a... Every time it goes to a song that I like, I run into the room and I see it's an old sketch of yours and it was very sweet of him to say that. So he was like, you've got to go back to doing this now. Wow. Um, yeah, it was like... a. It was like, you know, I was already at the cliff and then it was just like... And his is a voice that you listen to because for, for the people that don't know, he'd already become a, a, a very influential and inspirational figure in your life. Yeah, yeah, no, he'd, he'd been sort of... We'd been working together. I mean, I'm so, so... Um, the, the older I get, the more lucky I realise I am to even be in the same time as him, let alone be, like, great friends. Yeah, um, yeah so we've worked together since we were 16. I mean, I kind of started just like trying to, you know, going to his singing group and trying to do everything I could to yeah. get in. But yeah, he'd been mentoring me since then. The people I have spoken with who have worked with Brian mm. um, speak so effusively of his natural ability to be able to guide and inspire but not dominate, mm. right? To say the right thing, to make it very human. Um, yeah. And, and I think many people say that about you as well. So let's just consider that relationship and what it's like to be mentored by Brian and how deep his influence goes into allowing you to find this space. Yeah, no, I mean, it can't, I can't be overstated again. Like, he's... The, like, when I met him, the, like... The way in which his mind works, I don't think a 16-year-old is primed to fully appreciate. So I was, like... I mean, that's why I say I'm just increasingly, increasingly, increasingly grateful for his, his genius. But essentially, I think, like, and I've said this to Brian, I just, it's, it's meant entirely as a compliment, but I think in one word it's because he's a kid and he's in a way that is just so rare and so admirable. He's retained, like, just this childish, like, wide-eyed fascination with things. Like, when I, we first met, like, sometimes he'd be playing me a thing and he'd be like, Fred, what's this? And I'd be like, it's a, it's a C major chord. Like, we know that. But like, because yeah. I was like coming from it's classical. piano, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like coming from like the classical thing of like, yeah. that's how, how that looks on a score is nothing special mm. or whatever. Um, but in reality, he's listening to the way like that particular sound has overtones and it's making the glass over there ring with it. And it's mm. made like, he's not seeing the score of C, E, G. He's seeing the far wider range of colors. And... Yeah, so it's the gradual journey of seeing, like, sometimes you'd, like, go to his... In fact, I stumbled across the video I was mentioning. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> It's just him. When I got there, and he, I get to his place, and there's just this enormously loud drone playing. <laughs> and he's just sat in the middle of this room. He's got these enormous, like, four-way pendulum things he's had purpose-built for him. That move in perfect harmony. Because he wants to see the way the different things trigger the different movements, because they're really unpredictable. And right. there's this, like, thing going, like... <laughs> Like this massive drone, he's there just watching this thing, just like it's so happy, so at one. Like it's the same energy that you get when you see like a lovely, yeah. like innocence of a, like a, a kid, kid playing with a thing. Yeah. Like I, I say that entirely as like a, yeah, as a like a, you know, it's the, it's the best thing, and that I think is why how it's so infectious. You, how do you stay undistracted like that? Like how are you? How do you not eventually get overwhelmed by the world around you? I mean, I wish I could get back to that. And people always say, well, meditate. Yeah. Yoga, cool, love those things. Therapy, awesome reset. But how do you get to a place where you can, you can find the joy in that yeah, and not be distracted know. by your phone or by this or that? You know? We'd have to ask him. But I think he does everything in like, you know, he'll then also be, as you know, he'll be like super in on real nitty gritty of a climate change charity that he's That's working with. So like it's... It's not like it's one at the expense of the other. I think yeah. he just, like, maybe maybe it's because he goes so in on that, it alleviates space in his brain to go so in on yeah. 
that aspect of things. I don't know. It's funny. There, I, I, feel, I feel there's a parallel in the way that you you are, are moving creatively. It's just coming from different influences and different different places. You know, I mean, his ambient works to me is 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 a kind of a version. His version of like an actual life experience, like you know, music for airports, things like that. Yeah, and also my life in the bush of ghosts. Like when yeah. I first played um, Brian this stuff, I was like, Brian, I've got this. Amazing new idea! Like yeah. I really think there's something that triggers this feeling in me. It feels so new, like something like the real actual world. And then I was like, oh yeah, Brian did this with David Byrne in the '80s. <laughs> like <laughs> that's exactly what he did. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's like they, there are similarities, lovely similarities. It's symbiotic, but but you're doing it in a way that is not how he did it with David. You know, you're out there recording your peers, your contemporaries, your friends. I think the way the world is allows it to be a massively more, I mean, this is what Brian was saying, he's like, the way, because everything is now infinitely recorded, like, yeah. there is also beauty in that, as well as it having all the pitfalls that we know it has. You know, there's a, there's a great, there's a, there's a Juice World documentary that came out last year, I think it was, that a friend of mine, Bill Simmons, was involved in, and um, it was really tough to watch, obviously, because mm. you're watching this really incredibly talented, and to my experience, really charming, nice yeah. kid, um, ultimately, pass away um but it was all shot on phone right because you know all the footage because they capture everything yeah yeah. so yeah. they're always no, like everything's shooting there, everything's yeah. either on a social media site or fans shot it or your friends shooting it there's phones everywhere in every shot mm. and so they just were able to get the footage and, and so it, it was interesting because it was kind of an actual life in its way it was like it was like taking everything that had been recorded during this person's all way too short existence mm. and just drawing the narrative from the stuff that was never directed in the yeah, first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the intention. Right. Is the, is the key thing for me, yeah. The intention. So what was the intention behind Kyle and how important was that? Because I feel like that's when people really perked their heads up above ground and went, okay, there's something going on here. Um, I think that was like... I mean, I just spent a lot... I, I made that in, a, in um, the Tate in London. As a, as a customer, as, as someone who was there? Yeah, yeah, I just like... Just roll I in. just take... You know, as I was saying, like take my laptop, just place it. It's to, to me the fact that you can make music anywhere is just like. The, <laughs> if we tell those people in the seventies, they'd be like, "Why is anyone in going to recording yeah, studios yeah. anymore?" Like, no disrespect. This is cool and yeah, everything. It's really great, but like to me, like nine percent of the time, we should be like, or particularly if you're working on your ones. Like, sure, if you're sure, with sure. someone, I get it. You might need to have stuff, but like if you're on your ones, this is like, you can just be in the world. I just think that is just like the ultimate yeah. gift. Um, yeah, and so the Tate is a nice one. Any place that gives you this, like, sort of conveyor belt of humanity that just kind of buzzing away in the background. Often when there's, like, an undercurrent of slight excitement. Mm. That's why I like South Bank as well, because it's, like, it's that kind of central London, like, kind of some tourist. There's, like, a bubbling, people going to the theatre and stuff. Like, there's, like, a slight... There's just this kind of conveyor belt of soft excitement going past. I'm going to nerd out really hard now. So you're sitting there at your laptop, and I've done this before in trains and, I've, and planes, yeah, and yeah, I've done yeah. this. And, so I, and I agree, I love it. But um, you're literally watching the energy of the crowd change and move and weave, and do you then kind of create accordingly? Well, Does it affect the DNA of the song? In, in, enormously, but like, I, think in like, I think sometimes I'm conscious of it and sometimes I'm not. But one thing I know is that when I'm there, like, I make loads of ideas. And when I'm in the vacuum of my own thing, yeah. I tend not to. So like... It's affecting me hugely. Sometimes it really is like really on the nose. Like you'll be making something and then you'll see like some guy go past on like a skateboard, like doing a move. And the way he moves, like you makes you think like, oh yeah, the bass is actually not, isn't giving the feeling that we like, it needs to do this. And then awesome. sometimes it's much more like, you know, abstractified. And yeah. you'll see like a dad with his kid having a time and that would just make you realize that. There's an emotional resonance in there somewhere yeah, you can find it. Yeah. I think often it's subconscious. Where's the craziest place you've just powered up? I've done a few in clubs. <laughs> that's a, in the club? Yeah, that's quite a funny one, because, yeah, I mean, if you have noise cancellers, you can do it. In the club? Yeah, yeah, that's quite a beautiful... I mean, that's, like, a really beautiful that's one to be affected amazing. by. That's amazing. I did one in... Like, okay, cinema think, is good. I'll just stay in the club for a minute, if that's cool. We'll go to cinema in a minute. <laughs> I can imagine that everything, in a weird way, slows down. Down, yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because your yeah. sound experience is so much more calm than theirs, yeah. so your your the fundamental sense uniter in a club is obviously the music. So if you distance yourself from that, you're able to hummingbird everyone. I love that we're doing that now. <laughs> it's a verb, it's a verb. <laughs> to like hummingbird everyone mm. much more 
Yeah, it's that. It's all becomes much slower and... We should have a dictionary there, though, just in case it's something else. <laughs> yeah. Always good to test. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, it could be something. I'm not sure if you and me want a hummingbird anybody, mate. <laughs> to be fair. I've <laughs> got him cracking up behind the mask here. <laughs> you know, there's a great documentary, and, I, and the name escapes me, so I apologise, and perhaps we can just chuck it up on the screen after the fact, so I want to give credit where credit's due. But it's about the Paradise Garage and Larry Levan, uh-huh. and that time there's a bunch of people on the street telling amazing stories about what it was like to, to live during that time. And the opening shot is one camera, almost looks like a security camera, black and white grainy, of the dance floor, and it's just one huge mirror ball of the dance floor, and it's the strobe, but it's slow-mo. It's being hummingbirded. Wow. And so it's just white light slowly coming on, then pitch black, pitch black, then white, oh, fire. white. Yeah, so yeah. everyone's just, and it's one of the most beautiful ballets I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, an immaculate sight, that, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so it's like, I can imagine for you, in a, in a strange way, it is about that. It's about kind of getting either side of the linear experience to see what else is in there, uh, is there. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I think there's like a... Tubes are really good as well for the same reason because you get there's, there's such... This is why tra- trains and tubes are really good because you, you're able to get onto another side of that experience because you're already doing something. By the nature of being on the tube, you're yeah, like yeah. going somewhere, which puts your mind into a state where it's much more likely to play because it's getting... It's already like doing one of its jobs yeah so then you're like well i'm already here i might as well might as well play around and you also see all these other it's yeah it's that conveyor belt again like a tube carriage as it cha- and it changes the whole time yeah. so you get this constantly maneuvering thing um, it's almost like a grid as well and i'm jacking the, the chemical brothers video that michelle gondry did when he did i think star guitar when he shot out the side of a train window and every lamppost that passed and every sign for us for, for a town that passed was it a, a transition on the beat? And then when it changed scenery and yes, get really it's green. It's incredible. It's incredible. It would yeah, get yeah. green when it would ramp up. Yeah. So it was like that was pro, that was logic. Yeah. That yeah, train yeah. was logic. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. That is kind of what what I get from your music is that you are taking this kind of like experience that exists within this 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 hardware and you're trying to connect it to the outer world as much as you possibly can. Yes, I want to make it as the line between the two as small as possible. Beautiful. Like, that's yeah. Like Björk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Tom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tom York. 100%. You know, there are people who have definitely leaned into that and tried to do that. Who else is, can you say, I mean, the inspiration question can feel a little trad sometimes, but I'm really interested to know, like, along the way, aside from Brian, who has kind of really stepped into your world and left a, a, a really indelible impression? I think probably the, th- the things that have affected me the most is the people I've been, like, lucky enough to work with. Yeah because that's like a human thing, so it becomes so much more profoundly affecting, I think. Um, I would say Burner Boy is like, I just adore him. He's just a fucking G, and sorry, can I swear? Yeah, you fucking can. Especially about fucking Burner Boy. (laughs) That's a fucking legend. I love him too, why do you love him? I love him, so I first met him, God, I don't know, seven years ago now or something, and he came into my studio randomly and his presence he wasn't sort of i mean he was very much already burner boy but he wasn't publicly known as well as burner boy yeah but my god Charisma he already Tron, was though. he Charisma already Tron. was yeah the man is a dragon in a human yeah, form like yeah, he's yeah. just for sure, like for sure. he rolls in he was wearing this like bright silver like polystyrene to the floor puffer jacket yeah and these shades and he was yeah. like what's good and i was like everything yeah. is good <laughs> and then we, but the way he made last time i interviewed him virtually he was in a bar <laughs> i guess at home and uh he was drinking a, uh some really amazing looking alcoholic drink yeah he just wanted to spend the whole interview talking about how great this drink was <laughs> how great life is and i was just like dude i just want to like hang up and go there <laughs> he's awesome yeah, no, the way, but the way he, like, um, the way he writes is very inspiring to me because it's just so, the line between, in the same way that I want to try and make the line between, like, mm. on here and the, and life as small as possible, he, that he makes the line between, like, here and here as small as possible. Like, it just comes out, like, it, it's just that he just, he just becomes it and it, the ideas just flow out for him. The, the only thing you have to do is record. Is hit record, and and you really do have to make sure you hit record because yeah, he yeah, will just yeah. go yeah. and go and go and like, and then you just have to like every now and then be like, okay, cool, that's that bit and that bit, and then you're done. And he's just a bit. He can go for, like, it's so inspiring to me, like that level of, and also he knows himself so 
deeply that you can throw anything at him. Like, that's the people who I love working with the most because when there's that level of like, I know me, then actually they're up for doing anything. It doesn't yeah. mean they're entrenched in me. It means the opposite. It means they're like, I know what I'm going to do me. So you bring whatever you bring and we'll see what happens. You said something the other day, some music I was playing you and it was so beautiful and I've carried it with me and I'm looking, for, I'm just waiting for the, I don't want to force it into conversation, but it will definitely show up in my vernacular. Come on. Which was, uh, you said it knows itself. And I think that's yes, what you're saying. Yes, I was saying. thinking about that this morning. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, you're saying like, you know, you, you prefer to find people who, even if they're not at their best, they know themselves at that moment in time. Mm. They know mm. who they are. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably why I, I'm so inspired by rappers a lot, and that's probably why I work a lot in that world, because there's like, it's so entwined in the culture of that is a, is a degree of like, yeah. like self-security, and like, even if it's obviously, like all of us, much more complex, yeah, like, yeah. there is something core to it um, in Burner Boy and Heady mm -hmm. and Storms mm -hmm. and these people that is so inspiring to work with and of course ed because you know ed low-key comes from that world 100%. too like so that I think everybody knows that now you know yeah no it's not low-key you're right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite a known fact particularly yeah. in england yeah particularly in england i mean yeah. he came from that world um yeah. well I've, I've got this theory in particular when it comes to storytelling the art of storytelling and and you apply that to, to rap and hip-hop of course you can apply that to country music and anything but but things that really zero in on storytelling it's all kind of a, a really very a visceral form of manifestation that ultimately, if you're gonna if you're gonna put hundred songs out there, mm. that even at the beginning project a life that you want, mm. naturally you're gonna draw that to you in a much more real way. Yeah, and that's an, that identity is crucial. Hundred percent. You know, and you must see that with people that you work with that when they come into the studio and carry themselves, they're kind of in a weird way visualizing through music. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Ed, and you and Ed have had such an amazing journey as collaborators. Um, and I think it, I remember the first time Ed mentioned you to me, it was like he had discovered um, some kind of symbol of chemistry that no one had ever discovered before. And you were obviously making music before that, but from his point of view, mm. he was like, I found my guy. Oh, like, this guy just gets me and does work at the highest level and was so effusive and so, and so you know, he just was talking and talking. What has that experience been like and, and, and how has that relationship been, changed your life? Yeah, I think he's just like a... We were very um, sort of twin from the beginning. Like, we have a very similar taste and upbringing in music. Sympatico, like a proper... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was, like, very natural and effortless, and we both like to write quickly. And the thing I would say mostly from... I've learned most from Ed is similar to Burner Boy, actually. Um, and it's the instinct thing. It's just, like... He's just such, he's just instinct, 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 instinct. Every time he's writing, it's just like, go, 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 work it out later. Like, and sometimes there'll be a little you know, tweak you make later, but fundamentally the thing is born from instinct and then you can fine tune the thing beyond that. And yet analysis is such a dark shadow to the creative process. It's, it's the thing that we talked about execution the other night again. Yeah. You know, it's the thing that will trip you up over and over again. You don't suffer from that? For sure, yeah, 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 hundred percent. This, I mean, like, we could all get like caught in the various traps of that. I think. I mean, it was like a, it was another Brian gift. I think of saying he said to me that he was like, you can't learn anything from a piece of music that's unreleased. When I was playing him all of these ideas when I was first making this, and I had thousands, of, like literally two thousand, probably like. And I, yeah, it's, it's so lame to like go like numbers like. No, but that's what? a big number. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna drop a number, two thousand unreleased songs is pretty flossy. <laughs> yeah, but that, they were all rubbish. Like, yeah. like so, you know, so many of them was me just like, it's. It took me so long to try and find the way in which I could. Yeah. Try and uh, expose the beauty in these moments without it like distorting the person's soul or like having some fundamental dissonance with what they were originally doing and like still feeling like you're being respectful and, yeah. and all that. Keeping so the life in it. Keeping the life of both them and you and, and, yeah. and then allowing it to become its own. That was the thing for me is realizing it was becoming a new other thing. Yeah. So you're not like ruining you or them. It's like its own other thing. But like Brian, um, yeah, when I was playing these, he was just like, you can't, you, you need to start learning from, from these pieces of music. You can't progress until you start putting some out. And so that's helped a lot in terms of instinct move, instinct move. Well, also, you know, you said something really lovely at the beginning of this 
paying, which was um, you've been profoundly moved by the way people have responded to your music. Yes. Um, you know, when you put out Actual Life 1 in 2020 and then quickly sort of followed it up with Actual Life 2, we started feeling, as music fans, and, but someone who sort of keeps an eye on things, started seeing and feeling a shift in the way that people were responding to your music. Do you, do, do you feel that? Yeah, I, I, um, it's, yeah, I, all I can say is it's just totally changed the way in which I make music, which is all I do, so it's changed my life. But the, um, yeah, I'm just very, very grateful and you can see it when you play shows. I mean, I guess shows is like the ultimate version of what I'm saying in terms of humans informing. I think the shows change the game. Yeah. I, think, I think people often talk about the concerts that change people's trajectory. And I think, I think Coachella was a big moment for you. I, you know, it, it would be easy to try to avoid that one because it's just such a blip on the social media calendar. But you actually played two shows there that people talked about for weeks and months. Love. Afterwards, um, I know through great detail what it was like to be in that crowd. What was it like to be on that stage? <laughs> Love. Um, it was. It was. Do you know what it was? Is it was like a minute before I go on. Yeah. I go into my mic and I go, "Hey, check the ears." I can only hear it in one ear, and it's only got the top end. Yeah, and I'm like, right, and I'm like, okay, can we just test the backing track? Festival like, fun, everybody. Oh, festivals, man. And then I go, to, okay, can we test the backing track? And I go, it's only coming in this ear, and it's wildly out of phase, like, really quiet. And then the guys there going, friend, okay, T minus 10, oh, nine. And at festivals, you know how it is, like, you can't no. miss it, and particularly Coachella, like, that is yeah. tight, and we'd already stripped the set yeah, right yeah. down. It's Live Aid. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's that so so we were just like I was there like for real like looking at Tony and he was there like who I play with and he was like we just go and the guy was like we can't like cut in and so I went on stage played the first note of the piano couldn't hear a thing didn't even the piano wasn't even in my ears um, but what was the saving grace is that I said into my mic into my like talk mic to the yeah. crew I was like is this only a monitors issue and they're like yeah it's only monitors issue which is actually then you're like okay. Yeah. Out there, let me focus on the crowd. Everything is the same as it is every other night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a shit show. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, we've done this enough. I know, like, I'll sing a bit out of tune at times, and I'll be a bit that because I can't hear myself, and I'm sure it'll be a bad time. But like, fundamentally, out there, they don't know that it's, it's this entirely and it's possible. You had to stretch yourself, your hands even further to the crowd because you were outside of your for sure, zone. for sure. I, 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 I sort of savor those kind of experiences now. It's like when we came on Coachella, me and Tony were like. Cool. I kind of feel like we, we really enjoyed that, even though like for the first 20 minutes we were like working out like how to compensate for a 200 meter sound echo delay coming back in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of that. But it was, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I think it's easy when you're on stage sometimes to be in your little dome. I mean, you've yeah. got what you hear and got what they hear and then you have to perform to reach people. There was no performance yeah, yeah. there. No, no, it was, it, and also we like, <laughs> there was this moment where like the sun came so, so beautifully through the thing. Yeah. And I was like so like in this like chaotic vibe of what's going on. But again, I'm like playing the machine at the front and I say into my shout mic to the guys, I was like, I was like, Sam, who does our lighting? I was like, Sam, you're fucking killing it right now, man. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this shit is, but it's fire. And I just hear him in my ears, like, that'll be the sun. <laughs> and I was like, save. Well, nice one, Sam. Good job. Good yeah. job renting the sun for an hour, mate. Mad, mad job getting it. the sun. Exactly. Well, mad job getting the sun. That's another one that's going in my book. Good job getting the sun, man. It's beautiful today. Yeah. I know now, knowing you, that it's not a thing, right? Like, some people come out and they'll be like, it's a thing. Uh, I see. You know, <laughs> nice. it's for you. It's not like I'm doing it. It's not a. It's not a bit. It's mm. like you need to feel like you're in the moment. So let's talk about live for a second because yeah, yeah, people yeah. really want to see you live. And and I think you know tickets are selling out in minutes now. So what is it for you? Well, I think the like. The, yes, I think. I mean, we we spent a long time trying to hone the way we wanted to do it. The fundamental thing to me is having the big portrait screen that represents like an iPhone that just shows the, all the bits from yeah. my phone and yeah. other people's. Yeah. So that's like, to me, I play with Tony, but I also play with that. Like that is very much a part of the DNA of the music. And you have that vision show. in front of you as well. You can, you can move with that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, totally. Um, but so the, and then on a musical thing, it was like, it was like finding, it's like, I mean, I'll use this thing a lot for um, 
studio as well, just because the way it like chops up samples. But like you can. For people that don't know, what is this? This is a machine, so it's like an MPC, but a modern one. A machine so like, with an S and a C and an H, in case you're wondering. Yeah, yeah. So it's a Native Instruments one, but it's like based on the old, you know, the things Diller used and stuff. Right. Essentially, it's 16 drum pads. You can put anything on it. Like it's, it's so infinitely powerful. Yeah. The thing that is so exciting about this to me is with electronic music, it's often almost impossible to get it live, live. Mm -hmm. um, and I by no means mastered this. There's like guys who are, who I follow, shout out Justin as well, who mm -hmm. I've learned loads from. Mm -hmm. But like, um, and I'm really keen to try and make it so that this can be a, a way of making it. Because there's some moments like when we do this shit, like it's like totally, we can go totally live. Um, Do like stutter shit, but then you can play the whole thing. Like the whole track at this point comes from. Do you know what I mean? You don't can stop, don't stop. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Yeah, so it's so exciting to me because like you can do like the uh, this is what I want to get better and better at like making it so that the whole yeah. thing comes from this thing yeah. like uh, there's some moments where it makes sense as you say to like step back and have space to reach out to the crowd yeah and then there's some moments where I want to be able to like you know and it's the same way I like I'll make tunes as well because if you have um, this, I'm trying to see how we play this one live like like for like the way we do I found you is kind of the same way I'll mm. make it which is like Drones, mm. always. Always. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Listen to the way those notes merge together. It's so beautiful. Bit of that. Even just with yeah. the EQ. Right? This is what I do. This is what you do. sits with Brian is hours of just seeing how that drone evolves. I've got hours of video of us just. And I love it. Like, I play these like around my house for hours and hours every day because it just like shapes your experience. But then the, um, so like if you have the original poem, like... It's dirty water, regardless, as invincible as canned food in two by fours, I found you exploding, brimstone on your lips, tattooed with the fury as warm as the sun used to be, I found you beautiful. And then you can start like tuning him so he goes like I found you beautiful. I found you beautiful. I found I found you. I found you. I found you. I found you beautiful. I found you exploding. You. Yeah, that kind of like, well, but that this is like the, the same way that we play the tunes live often. I'm keen to like represent the way they are built in the first place, which is just like long drones, like different ways of framing the emotion of what the person's saying. So, so like in the same way that that drone, if, you, if I was to now play it with this drone, mm. He's saying different words now. Yeah. yeah. I found you exploding. Yeah. I found you. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, you could, yeah. I mean, that's a really obtuse way of no, showing the different no, things, but, but like, sure. I'll it's spend way so much sweet. time it's on just, that. It's less sweet. It's more, it, there's, there's more, it, like almost a tad more urgency. Yeah, yeah. 
So th th there'll be, generally with like samples, I'll make like five or six different drones that it can live in. And then that harmonic, the like harmonic landscape of those drones will, will affect the emotion of the song. Of the song. Yeah. That's what they're born out of, yeah. And so when you're performing live and you are existing in this drone space and, you, and you've, you've found your, the, the vocal and you're able to build within this environment, the crowd is there. Yeah. You see the accompaniment behind you that's going on behind you. Mm. Are you, how really in the moment are you when it's time to build this piece of music up to a point? Yeah, I've very. seen the drop, and when the drop happens, there are people crying, there's a sense mm. of real emotion there. Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. No, but, but truly very, because, well, I don't know, I kind of keep thinking, I wonder how long you can go. this will last, but the answer is, like, I mean, obviously I've not been doing that, I've been, our first show was only a year ago, but, like, um, I feel very like I think probably it's because it's a new it's new humans. No, I'm not talking about the overall, bro. I'm talking about okay. on the in the moment while this is going out, yeah. and you've got to get to a place where it's going to have a dynamic shift. Mm. And most live electronic music spaces will, you know, create something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then yeah. Then oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. like. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, drop the boost. Yeah. Like EDM yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking on your head. Got you. It seems to me like in that moment, you are searching for a way for the emotion to guide the dynamic of the song until you feel it. Yeah. And you release it when you feel it. Yes, totally. That, and that yeah. can be different every single night. Yeah, well, these, these are the things that I'm trying to... That, that's what I want to get better and better at, like in the show of like trying to have as many moments that can be malleably affected because also sometimes you naturally like find a way that you love playing it and you're like I think this is the thing that feels the best but then you kind of need to force yourself to like challenge it and then that means that sometimes you need to try and find another way of playing the song live but like I mean it's, how, how, there must be times when it's really challenging for you to not just be completely and maybe you want to be overwhelmed well, with also, the emotion of it I get that a lot, and also sometimes, you know, because I'll look around and I see, like, my best friends all on, on the phone. screen. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is the most beautiful thing of all time, and your brother's just, like, checking emails and stuff like that, no, just, no, like, straight I mean, back down yeah. to Earth. That would also be a very good experience. But no, I mean, I look around on the yeah. screen, and I'll see, like, the videos of, like, my best friends and us, like, having, like, beautiful times, and, so, and I'll be in, like, you know, Finland, and it's like, oh, wow, like, it's a very, like... But also, I think the thing that often inspires me, and this is why I lo love so much playing with Tony, who I play live with, is that most of the time, I'm just like low-key trying to do shit to like get Tony like, to like, you know, it's just, it's, it always comes out like these one-on-one -on -one things or like Jamie, who's our front of house, or like if Hen's there, like, but you know, the, the whole reason why I did like chopped up that song with Romy in the first place that I could do, that world is because my friend Red was coming to a show and I know he's like a, he's just like a jungle head since birth and I was like, uh, Red's going to be, I want to gas Red the fuck up tonight. <laughs> and so, do you know what I mean? That, those are the things that generally inspire like, yeah, yeah. the choices because you're making them from very clear like emotional places of like for a human. And so Tony is the one who I'm with every night. So a lot of the time I'll like, with these different things, be trying to just like get Tony excited. <laughs> Can we, talk, we talked about the moment the other night about being in the present moment and yeah. I was saying how I, I, I need to do what I do like this because I mm. can't think of anything that's going on around me except this. Yeah. And I love it. Mm. I merge from it and I feel cleansed a little bit like, and I've got space to process things again because of yeah. this. It's like I'm, I'm having this conversation which is infinite information and it's curiosity for me but I feel totally clean at the end of it. It's really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I sort of think for you, like... That's a really nice way of putting that, Zane. I'm happy that that's the case. It really is for me. I yeah. really love it. And um, for you, I can imagine it's a similar thing that even though that there's this sort of tangible energy in front of you at times, like let's use boiler room for an example, this yeah. chaos is going on around yeah. you, that, that because it's forcing you to be in the moment, to be present mm. in a strange way, it's, a la it's, it's actually ridding your system and your mind and your spirit of unnecessary things and to allow for more space. It's like it's kind of a cleansing experience. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think that, that's why I think it affects the music a lot as well. But yeah, no, Boiler Room was for sure, was definitely, like, I was very, like, I was, like, helplessly present, almost. Like, it was no, that wasn't an option. Were you nervous for that? I was pretty nervous before that, yeah. I can imagine Boiler Room, Boiler Room since yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. I think Boiler Room, no matter how confident you are, how much you feel you're having a moment or how much you've earned the right to get there, I think it's just impossible not to feel a bit of imposter syndrome in a Boiler Room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was pretty, like, it's, it's just quite chaotic because you're kind of there thinking, you know when you're, like, watch a Boiler Room and there'll just be, like, some person 
The yeah. way the camera set up is so like random. Yeah. I was like, what someone's just like two Jack and Coke and fucking vodka, yeah, yeah. mate. You know, it's a little bit like it's a bit. Yeah. And I always kind of thought, well, when I do my like, I don't know, something, something will happen and we'll just be like, yeah. it will be my best friend here and my other mate here. Yeah. But like inevitably, you're just kind of in a crowded club and everything's chaos, and then they go, all right, your time for the set, and you're like. Yeah, yeah. Where's the structure? Yeah, yeah. Where's the, like, and then yeah. like my best friends all like it was so rambo that like my all of my best friends like couldn't even get close anyway. Yeah, yeah. so I was like, <laughs> yeah, like, guys, you're on your own, like, And then you're looking at these people around you like, all right, well, so the, you're my crew for the next thing, and then it kind of naturally you know, cross pollinates and permeates into different humans, and and it was, um, yeah, it was very very present tense. I was forced right into the present tense. There. It was the first time in a long time, no disrespect to anyone else, but that but where a DJ set had become the talking point. Um, in areas outside of the community. It's the first time in a long time where the, the concept of, of, of creating a set in a club and, and, and streaming it wasn't just being talked about on those forums or on those social media sites or in those places. People who write about music oh, in sick. general yeah. were like, this shit is off the fucking chain. <laughs> um, what was that like in that room? Because, I mean, there's so many clips that have gone viral. I mean, that, that, that geezer who just, like, pulled up your record by accident. Rodney, do you know moments. one thing that's great about Rodney? What? He's a Kiwi. Is he? Yeah, yeah. Fucking Kiwis. Isn't that a great Can't twist? take us anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And his right? name's Rodney. I That's thought amazing. that was the whole thing is fabulous to me. Like, yeah. I, so, I so didn't think he was going to Rodney. I didn't clock he was going to be a Kiwi. Yeah. But no, so I went to... Um, I mean, I, it makes sense. I used to go up to my friends who were DJs and I would go up to them when I would have a few too many drinks and I would try and scratch their records with my <laughs> shoes. This is a true story. My friend Manuel will tell you it's a true story. And he loves me so much that, you know, he would let me do it a few times. And after a while, he's like, if your shoes touch my vinyl one more fucking time in my shoe. I don't know why I decided that this was funny. amazing. I mean, it is I was scratching with a shoe. Well, it is, you know, yeah, I know. It's funny if you're the one. To, yeah, I mean, I was such a Rodney that night. It was unbelievable. That was a real Rodney bit. It was a Rodney there. moment. Yeah, no, big ups, Rodney. No, he just appeared as well. He was one of the ones, you know, you look to your left, you're like, all right, who's this guy? And he was beautifully, like, you know, he was very present. Um, as well, but you know what? This is like what I was like. So many people have been like, "Why were you pissed off with Rodney?" And and it's like he's not the he's so not the enemy. Do you know no. what I mean? Like he's this like joyful guy who's yeah. everything you want your people to be in a club. Like he's giving it everything. He's like so there with yeah. you. He's following you through every moment. So if his arm or belly, as it was, happens to like touch the pause button on a deck. Who gives a fuck? Like, it doesn't matter at all. Like, <laughs> you, can't, you can't make projects called actual life and then get mad when actual life presents yeah. itself. <laughs> yeah, nice. You, know? Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, that is real shit in a club. Oh, no, it's a blessing. One sound cut, or maybe two, is an absolute right? blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you know what to do with it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I've only ever seen it be a great, a great thing. And isn't that kind of really what you're trying to do is to take real life and just know what to do with it. Like, if you know what to do with it, if you know how to let it in and not try to perfect it or shut it out, then it can be more emotional, it can be more dynamic, and you can just be more of everything. I hope so, I hope so. But yes, I wouldn't say I'm by any means an expert of knowing what to do with it, but I'm, yeah, trying. <laughs> um, Actual Life 3, which has another group of amazing people that mean something to you, I mean, some, it's, I always love it because I don't always recognize everybody on there, obviously. Mm, mm. Uh, I know some well, people. Well, a lot of them are just, yeah. People you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Mustafa. Of course, of yeah. Of course. We love Mustafa, yeah. Who's amazing and stuff. Like, how do you sort of approach the difference between artist and non-artist? Like, you, you've done sessions, you do sessions, you work with people when it's, con when it's considered and deliberate, but a lot of this doesn't feel like that. Mm. So how do the artists feel when they're kind of almost being treated in the same way that your friends are being treated? Well, I think it's a testament to the lovely people I've sampled that they've been really sweet and generous about it all and Mustafa being a great example of that like you know Mustafa like I sampled his piece where he is saying well yeah I need time and all the things time mm -hmm. to move move on time to move this and like that's like a it's Mustafa has made no secret of what those records are about for yeah, him yeah. and deep community connection yeah and loss yeah so. exactly and so I I don't take it lightly I treat it with the same delicateness I hope when I sample that as to when I sample a person on the street saying we go make it through because I think they're just as personal things um but yeah, so I'll always make sure, like, you know, with Mustafa, I made sure to write him a letter explaining why his 
grief had resonated with mine and to try and explain that I wasn't trying to, yeah, as I say, like distort his truth. I was just trying to see if it could become something beautiful as another thing. And I've been very, very lucky at like the way all these people have received it so generously. I'm really glad that you talked about his grief in relation to your grief because um, I think people often look at, at artists like yourself in a space where you're drawing creativity from other people yeah. as being a conduit for their, for their, for their message or whatever. But right. I, I, yeah. this is really your story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very much. I mean, I, like, I, don't, um, I don't go into crazy detail about it probably because I don't you know don't how to, to yet. But the, um, no, I appreciate that, Zane. But, the, um, but I think really the, probably the sort of... So to, I had that thing, which I'm sure you've spoken to lots. I mean, you, you have a better seat in the house here than anyone else, but I'm sure you've spoken to lots of people about this. You've had this where, like, I had that feeling of, when I was in the beginning of making the first record, like, this feeling of not uh, having suffered enough to warrant the things that I was wanting to write about. Do you know what I mean? That, like, imposter syndrome of, like, I can't be the one to yeah. write about this. Yeah. Um, and then I did... <laughs> suffer and I learned that I didn't need to is essentially what I'm saying like yeah. I now feel a real um, relief having seen some very dark sides of humanity like I kind of now know that I didn't need to do that I was just in, as entitled to write about what I want to write about yeah. four years ago as I am now but for one reason or another that was the sort of journey I had to go on to make peace with it but it is a it is one of the sort of byproduct blessings of an experience like that is that it sort of brings you closer to the other hu to your uh, the humans in the world. There's a Stephen Colbert speech that is about two minutes long and is my Bible. And actually, I, I play, it's like two minutes, so I play it to you. Have you got, so this is like, this is actually, funnily enough, it's got a piece. Um, with Brian just playing underneath it, just because of drones. But the <laughs> Which you did, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Embellishing. Um, that, that, well, it's two things, right? It's your Bible that, that's now ultimately embellished by your mentor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this awesome. is that. It's a gift to exist. It's a gift to exist. And with existence comes suffering. There's no escaping that. I didn't learn it that I was grateful for the thing I most wish hadn't happened, is that I realized it. Mm -hmm. Is that, and it's, a, it's an odd, oddly guilty feeling. It, it doesn't mean you were happy. I don't want it to have happened. I want it to not have happened. Right. But if you are grateful for your life, which I think is a positive thing to do, um, the way he says that. <laughs> not everybody is, right. and not, I'm not always. Um, but it's the most positive thing to do. Then you have to be grateful for all of it. Hmm. You, it's, you can't pick and choose what you're grateful for. So what do you get from loss? You get awareness of other people's loss. Well, that's true. Empathy. Which allows you to connect with that other person. Right. Which allows you to love more deeply and to understand what it's like to be a human being. And so, at a young age, I suffered something so that by the time I was in serious relationships in my life with friends or with my wife or with my children is that I have some understanding that everybody is suffering. And however imperfectly acknowledge their suffering and to connect with them and to love them in a deep way that not only accepts that all of us suffer but also then makes you grateful for the fact that you have suffered so that you can know that about other people and that's that's what i mean it's it's about the fullness of your humanity. What's the point of being here and being human if you can't be the most human you can be? 
And that involves acknowledging and ultimately being grateful for the things that I wish didn't happen. Do you really believe that? Yes. Yeah. So that is... I have no words beyond that. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> that was awesome. Love, brother. Thanks for checking out the latest conversation right here on the interview series. It's a keeper for me. I'll always remember that. And great to get a snapshot of Fred again at this point in his life, how he works and what he's trying to achieve, considering he's, he's got so far to go and so much amazing music to share. Next week, a brand new conversation. Join us on the interview series for that.